Well, good morning, church. Man, what a great morning of worship that was. I'm going to ask you right now to go ahead and grab your Bibles, grab your smart device, and go ahead and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. That's where we're going to be this morning. Now, as you turn your Bibles there and you get your smart device all ready for this morning, I want to say a phrase, and I want you to help me finish the phrase. It's a phrase that we've all heard. It's a phrase that it specifically relates to marriages. And here's the phrase. Happy wife means happy what? That's right, life. Happy wife means happy life. Now, all the women that are watching, all the wives are like, yes and amen, right? They, they, they're like, yes, 100%, you keep me happy, life goes well. Well, the thing about it is, and I'm not saying that we don't want to make our wives happy and our wives don't want to make their husbands happy, but the problem with the statement that happy wives means happy lives is it implies that the chief goal of marriage is to make the other person happy. Now, we do want to make them happy, but happy is a fleeting emotion, isn't it? It comes one moment and it's gone the next moment. And so the struggle I have with that statement is it implies that happiness is the chief goal of every marriage. And I would submit to you that the chief goal of marriage is not happiness, it's harmony. It's not happiness, it's harmony. That marriages that are in harmony with God and marriages that are in harmony with each other that as, as, as a married couple, that the chief goal in our relationship should be first and foremost above everything else to live a life that is in harmony with my creator. That I spend time in his word, I spend time praying, I spend time knowing the heart and the will and the mind of God, and that I'm in harmony and I live my life in step and in rhythm and in sync with his Holy Spirit. But also that I'm to live in harmony with my wife, with our spouses, meaning that we're living in harmony in areas of like parenting, finances, faith, everything that comes to the marriage table that we are to walk in step, not only with God, but secondly, to be in step and to be in rhythm and to be in sync with our spouses. So if you think about it, those marriages that are in harmony with God and in harmony with each other, those are the marriages that make the greatest impact, aren't they? Those are the marriages that have the greatest influence in the world with which we live. And I believe as we think today about marriage, because Peter's going to address that in a moment, that we need to remember that the chief goal of marriage is not happiness. Happy wife equals happy life. It's harmony. Living in harmony with God and then living in harmony with our spouse. And Peter obviously knows that for these early believers, these that he's addressing, these first century Christians, that one of the greatest targets of these believers, one of the greatest targets that the enemy is going to come after is the target of marriage. And so Peter addresses marriage in chapter 3. Now I want you to understand who he's addressing. Because this Christianity thing is kind of new on the scene. They're in the first century of the, the moment when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the dead. They're in the first century of this movement known as Christianity. So there's really two kinds of married couples that Peter's addressing. He's addressing those who the wife and the husband are both believers and they are married. But he's also addressing those who are, have one spouse that is a believer and the other spouse who is not, meaning they got married before they put their faith in Christ, and now one has come to faith in Christ, and the other still is not. And as we look at this passage, I think what we find out is Peter lays out for us what is required of us in marriage if we are going to have a marriage that is harmonious. If we are going to have harmony in our marriage, he tells us what is required. So if you have your Bibles, chapter 3, I want to this morning read verses 1 through 7. 
Scripture says this. Peter says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, but by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning of be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is in God's sight very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, and if you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. May God bless the reading of his word. Now in this passage here, I really believe Peter lays out three things that are required if we're going to have harmony in our marriages. And the first one's found in the very first part of verse one. He says this, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands. Now he's basically saying, wives submit to your husbands. Now, there's a word that he uses here that's very, very powerful. It's the word likewise. In fact, you might want to underline it or circle that in your Bible. Because when he says likewise, wives submit to your husbands or subject yourselves to your own husbands, that word likewise takes them back. It's a connecting word from what Peter has just said to what he's about to say. So Peter's saying, just like I told you, and we talked about it last week, just like I told you to submit to every human institution. Just like I told you to submit to your masters or your employers, just like I told you to submit to those things, wives, I'm also telling you, you need to submit to your husbands. So that word likewise refers them back to what he's already said. So just as they were as believers to submit to every civil authority and they were to submit to their employers, likewise, wives were to submit to their husbands. But that word likewise also refers them back to the fact that Jesus is their example. You remember him talking about that last week? That while you're to submit to these authorities, that they're masters and human institutions, that sometimes that's difficult. And so in those moments when it's difficult, Peter reminds them that it's Jesus who is our example. It is Jesus who did not threaten those that threatened him. It's Jesus who did not retaliate against those who punished him. It's Jesus that submitted And it says that that he just trusted God. They don't need to submit, but he just trusted the Father. And so he's telling the wives, listen, just as I've told you a moment ago to submit to these things, also I want you to submit to your husband. And in moments that's difficult, remember that Jesus is still your model. He is still your example. He is one who submitted and just trusted the Lord. And that's what Peter's exactly asking these ladies to do. So when you talk about, ladies, when you, wives, when you talk about submitting to your husbands, here's what it means. Write, write this down. Here's what it means to submit to your husbands. It means to yield to the leadership of your husband. That's what it means. When the Bible talks about submitting to your husband, it's talking about yielding to the leadership of your husband. Now, let me tell you what it doesn't mean, all right? Here's what it doesn't mean. It does not mean that you are a doormat for your husband. It doesn't mean you're a yes woman, that every time he says something, you just got to be yes. Whatever he says is how it goes. It doesn't mean that at all. 
It doesn't mean that you're a doormat for your husband. Submission does not mean that at all. It doesn't mean it. And it also does not mean that you're inferior to your husband, that he somehow is superior and you are his subordinate. It doesn't mean that at all. In fact, do you think that Jesus was inferior to God the Father? No is the answer. They are co-equal, aren't they? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Equal, but yet you see Jesus in the garden pray and submit to the Father's will, doesn't he? If this cup can pass before me, please do so, but not my will, but what? Your will be done. And so when we talk about submitting to our husbands, it's yielding to their leadership. It is not saying that you are somehow inferior to your husband and you are their subordinate. It does not mean that at all. It does not mean you're a doormat. It does not mean that you have to abandon your convictions. That if you have a God and a biblically-based conviction that somehow if he doesn't agree with you, you have to abandon your convictions and go with him. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't even mean that you don't have a voice in the home. You have value. Did you know that? When you're submitting to your husband, it doesn't mean you don't have a voice. It doesn't mean that your opinions don't matter. It doesn't mean the words that come out of your mouth are just falling in. There's like hot air that they have no value at all. It doesn't mean that. So for those of your wives that, are, that maybe look at this idea of submission and you struggle with that, listen, it just simply means to yield to their leadership. It doesn't mean you're inferior. It doesn't mean you've got to abandon your convictions. It doesn't mean that somehow your voice doesn't matter. And it also doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean you don't have options. Now, it's important for me to say this, and hear me clearly, that if you're in a marriage where there's continual adultery, or you're in a marriage where there's physical and emotional abuse, you biblically have options. Now hear me, we all know that God hates divorce, absolutely hates it, and we all know that God desires above everything else that marriages would be reconciled together. That is the heart and that is the desire of God. But when you think about submitting to your husband, it does not mean that you just submit and you just stay and get your brains beat in because you think that's what submission is. It doesn't mean that you continue to allow adultery to run rapid in your marriage and you think by staying, I'm just submitting. It doesn't mean that at all. So wives, it's important for us to know that submitting to your husbands doesn't mean that you are insignificant. What it does mean is that you're just willing to yield to his leadership. Please know that this morning. Now, Peter tells us why yielding to their leadership is so important. Look with me back in verse 1 and 2. Look what he says. He says, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they will be warned without a word, but by the conduct of their wives. And when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now, here's what he's saying here. He says, listen, here's one of the reasons why. Here's the reason why you need to yield to their leadership. It's so that your godly conduct may win them over. Now, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to people who've been married, and then later, some, obviously the wife has become a believer and a follower of Christ, and the husband is not. But he's also talking to others who both are believers. And he's saying, listen, wives, your conduct can change your husband's heart. Now, why is it important for Peter to say this? Because in this day and time, in this culture, when two people were married together, and all of a sudden, one of them became a believer, there was this real tension in marriage of going, okay, I, I, I'm a believer, and in this case, the husband is not a believer so what do I do about that? 
And Peter didn't want the wives just to jump ship. He didn't want them to say, well, because they're not a follower of Christ, I'm just going to ban the relationship. I'm going to find me a godly man. Peter's like, don't do that. What you need to know is, as a follower of Jesus Christ, ladies, is that your conduct can win your husband over. He's saying, listen, your godly conduct and your godly character may be the very thing that softens their heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your conduct may be the very thing that softens them to the point where they're ready to receive the Lord. So win them with your conduct. And then for those wives that were married to godly husbands, maybe those, God, those husbands, those believing husbands, weren't leading their household. And it's the same way, thing is true for them, that they need to live in such a way that their conduct can win their husband over. Their conduct can inspire their husbands to what it means to be a leader in the household. And so Peter says, listen, ladies, I want you to know something. As you submit, as you yield to the leadership of your husband, make sure you know that your conduct is what's going to make the difference. How you live your life is going to make the difference. For those of you that have husbands who don't believe, your conduct may lead them to the place where they're sensitive to the gospel and respond. Or your conduct may lead them to the place for believers who realize that they should be leading their household as God's told them to do. Your conduct matters. The point is this. Peter says, listen, wives, if you're going to win your husbands over, it doesn't happen with words. It doesn't happen with sermons. And it doesn't happen with nagging, the way you win them over is with your conduct. And Peter even tells us what that godly conduct is to look like. He says our conduct is to be respectful and pure. Respectful just means to show honor. That as a wife, that you would show your husband honor. That you would show him honor for the position and the role that he's in as he leads that household. As his leadership is something that's got to manage all that's going on in the household. That you would show him honor. But it also says our con your conduct is to be pure. Meaning it's to be rightly motivated. Not manipulative. Right? See, Peter's saying, listen, believers... If you really want to have a marriage, if you really want to have a marriage that's in harmony, it begins with wives submitting to their husbands. It begins with wives yielding to the leadership of their husband. And in doing so, your conduct that is respectful, your conduct that is pure, might be the very vehicle that God uses to bring them to faith in Christ. Or it might be the very vehicle God uses to bring them to a place where they are the spiritual leader in the home. So hear me, church, if we're going to have harmony in our marriages, wives need to yield to the leadership of their husband. And then he tells us something else, the second thing that's required is found in verse 3 and 4. Look with me, it says this, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or clothing you wear, but let your adorning be hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is in God's sight is very precious. The second thing Peter says that is required of us is not only that wives are to be subject to their own husbands, but secondly, that wives are to focus on inward beauty. That wives are to focus on inward beauty. Beauty. Now, if you study Roman culture, one thing you're going to find out is that the women, the wives in the Roman culture 
were dialed up to the hilt. I mean, they were dialed up. I mean, they had elaborate dresses. They had elaborate jewelry. They had elaborate hair. In fact, as I thought about their elaborate hair, I thought it probably looked like something that the ladies wore in the 80s, right? That big poofy hair. And, and if you're offended by that, you probably still have big poofy hair and you need to kind of fix that, right? Maybe, maybe, so maybe not. But anyway, the point is that the, the, the truth is that in that culture, adorning was something that happened, external adorning. That Roman women went to the hilt in their dress and how they made their parents look. And if you were a wife in that time, it would have been natural for you to think that if you're gonna win the heart of your husband, you have to imitate the world. You have to do what everybody else is doing. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's, that's the way the world is today. And I would say you're wrong. I think the world is exactly like that today, wives. When's the last time you checked out a grocery store? I know many of you haven't been lately, but the last time you went to a grocery store or a retail store and you got ready to check out there, especially like at a Walmart or, 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 or Publix or any of those kind of places, what is lined in those checkout lines? What do you see all over the place? Magazines. And magazines targeting who, for the most part? Women. And those magazines are trying to teach women what the world thinks about how to win your man, how to keep your man, what's the heart to your man, what does beautiful look like, what does self-image look like. And they're doing all they can to tell you, here's what the world says you need to be. And Peter's realized something that we realize, that external adornment, that glamour is artificial. And that glamour decays. Do you remember what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 31? As he talked about a virtuous woman, he said this. Verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is in vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Someone says, you know what makes a woman beautiful? Has nothing to do with the exterior. It has everything to do with the heart. And so Peter says, listen, stop and stop focusing on external adornment. Stop focusing on externally how you appear to someone and rather focus on internal beauty. Rather focus on internal beauty that does not corrupt, that does not decay. Now, is Peter saying that women should never wear makeup? Absolutely not. But what he is saying is this. Don't let the focus of your life be the external adornment of yourself but let the focus of your life be your inward beauty. And Peter actually tells us in that passage that what the inner beauty that is precious to God looks like. He tells us about the inner beauty that wives are to focus on. The inward beauty is a gentle spirit and a quiet spirit. Now, let me tell you what that means. <clears throat> a gentle spirit is referring to a spirit of humility or a spirit of patience. This last week, we all know this, especially if you're in the Christian world at any level, one of the pillars of our faith has passed away, Ravi Zacharias. And I've seen many, many posts and many people talking about the time they spent with him, but there was one post that caught my attention. It was, a, it was an Instagram post by Louis Giglio, and it was him and Ravi Zacharias walking to a major arena, and Ravi Zacharias had his hand on Louis's shoulder, and the caption just read this, a humble giant. And I thought, man, that speaks volumes about Ravi Zacharias. That for Louis Giglio, looking at Ravi Zacharias, he knows that Ravi Zacharias knows more than maybe anybody else we know regarding apologetics. I mean, when he talks, it takes me a while to process everything that he says. He is so profound. He's so knowledgeable. And many times, he is so over my head. 
But one of the legacies that Ravi has left behind is that his faith in the Lord and the way he communicates the truth of the gospel, he does it with a humble spirit. That's why Louis said he was a humble giant. Wives, that's exactly what Peter's talking about. That you need to focus on the inward beauty, that you need to become that humble giant who's patient. You need to have a gentle spirit. But he also says the wives need to have a quiet spirit. Now, that doesn't mean silence. It doesn't mean that at all. The word quiet just means tranquil or peaceful. So meaning you are to have a spirit that is at peace with God and at peace with yourself. So Peter is telling them here, listen, I want you to start focusing on inward beauty rather than outward adornment. Here's what that means. Focus on having a spirit of humility and a spirit of peace, at peace with God and at peace with yourself. And Peter even adds on, you probably remember, he added on, he said, even the holy women before you have done this. Look at verse five and six. He says this, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now listen, here's what he says. There's women before you who've done this. There are women who've gone on before you who've lived a life submitting to the leadership of their husbands. There's women that have gone on before you that have been faithful to focus on inward beauty rather than outward adornment. And then he used Sarah as an example of that. He said, Sarah obeyed Abraham. Now that's where maybe if you're sitting beside your spouse, you're like, the men are like, yes, and the women are like, no. Well, the word obey here does not mean to do what you're told. Now the wives are like, oh, yes. And the husband's like, oh, no. It doesn't mean that. It literally means that, that Sarah continually had an attitude of respect for the role that Abraham was in. That's what it means. He obeyed her. She obeyed him and called him Lord, meaning she had admiration and respect and this continual attitude of respect toward the position that he held in the home. He says, listen, I'm asking you to do something. I'm asking you to stop focusing on your external adornment and start focusing on your inward beauty. But I'm not asking you to do something that's unique to you. There are people who have gone on before you that have already done this. So what does it mean for us to have a marriage that is harmonious? It begins with wives yielding to the leadership of their husbands. And secondly, with wives focusing on inward beauty. Now, to all the wives watching, I want to say something to you specifically from the position of a husband. I want you to hear me. When I see my wife, when I see Sonia investing in God's word, and when I see Sonia praying, or I see Sonia studying scripture or diving deeper and deeper into relationship with Christ, when I see my wife working toward a spirit of humility and a spirit of quietness, where peace with God and peace with herself, when I see Sonia making those investments in her life, while that is an inward beauty she's working on, listen, I also see her more beautiful on the outside because of that. That when I see my wife making those investments, she's even more beautiful to me on the outside than she ever was before. So don't be mistaken, women. Don't be mistaken, wives, that you have to appear to be great on the outside for your husband to think you're beautiful. I would contend the more you work on inner beauty, the more you'll become beautiful on the outside to your husband. So Paul says, or Peter says, listen, if we're going to have harmony, wives need to focus on inward beauty. And then lastly, the third thing I want us to notice, he shifts away from wives 
and he moves toward husbands. Now the wives are excited because we finally stopped talking about you. But look what he says in verse 7 to the husbands. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So here's what Peter tells them. Okay, if you want to have harm in your marriage, yeah, for the wives, they need to yield to the leadership of their husbands. Yeah, the wives need to focus on inward beauty. But for husbands, you need to submit to serving your wife. You need to submit to serving your wife. He uses that same word we talked about a while ago, that word likewise. So Peter's telling the husbands, just like I told you to submit to every civil authority and to your masters, I want you to submit to your wife as well. Just like Jesus was an example of submission and trusting God, I want you to do the same thing. Now, when it talks about husbands submitting here to their wives, what's he referring to? Well, the, the texts give us our understanding that literally what Peter is saying is that our submission to our wives is for us to yield as husbands, to yield to their needs. That's what we're to do. When husbands are to yield to their wives, when we are to submit to our wives, what are we submitting to? Are we submitting to their leadership? No, that's not, that's not what God's word says at all. You can go to, to Ephesians chapter five and find that as well. What are we submitting to? What are we yielding to? We are yielding to the needs of our spouse. Now, I would contend that there are three basic needs of every human being. Number one, a need to belong. I think everybody has that. Number two, a need to be valued, like I matter. And number three, a need to truly be cared about or loved. Now, hear me, husbands. Part of our role in the marriage relationship is to yield to the needs of our spouses, to make sure they know that they do belong, to make sure they know that they are valuable, and to make sure that they know that they are loved and they are cared about. Now, Peter tells us exactly how we can do that. First thing he tells us is to be considerate of them, right, to be considerate. He says, live with your wives in an understanding way. In other words, be considerate. Now, what does that mean? That means to be sensitive to the emotional and the physical needs of our wife that we would truly cherish and love our wives and put their desires and to put their needs and their well-being above our own. That's what it means to be considerate. It's that I'm sensitive to the needs that they have, our wives have, emotionally and physically, and I'm willing to put their well-being above my well-being. Now, I can't speak for all the husbands watching, but I can speak for this husband. Sometimes I'm not very considerate. Sometimes, well, let me change that. Maybe most of the time, I'm not as considerate as I ought to be. Most of the time, maybe I find myself putting my well-being ahead of Sonia's well-being. But if we're going to yield to the needs of our spouses, if we're going to yield to the needs of our wives' men, husbands, here's what we need to do. We need to be considerate. We need to be sensitive to the needs they have and be willing to put their well-being ahead of our well-being. And maybe that's the commitment you need to make today. Maybe you look at your marriage and you look at your life and you just simply say, hey man, I'm just a pretty selfish dude. Well, don't just stay there. Change it. Make a commitment to the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to be considerate toward your wife. But he also not only says be considerate, he secondly says that we're to show respect to our wives. He uses the phrase here to show honor to them. Well, how do we show honor to our wives? Here's how we show honor, by affirming their value 
as a partner in our marriage. That's how you show your wife value, by affirming their value as a partner, not a subordinate, but as a partner in marriage. It's amazing to me over the almost 29 years of ministry, how many couples I've counseled over the years where wives feel like they have no value in the marriage relationship. In fact, I'm sure there's moments and seasons in my marriage where Sonia felt the same way, that the words they said, the, the attitude they had, or the things they desired carried no value in that relationship. And the truth of the matter is this, as as husbands, we're to show respect to our wives. We're to show them honor. We're to remind them over and over and over again that they have value, not as a subordinate, but as a partner in our marriage. And Peter says the reason that's so important to show them respect is because from a natural state, they're the weaker vessel. Now, that is not talking, ladies, about you spiritually. It's talking about you physically. That physically, for the most part, women or the wives are weaker physically. But in the spiritual state, he says that they too are heirs of the grace of life, meaning this. We've spent too many years focusing on the women are the weaker vessel. That's not the point of what Peter's saying. Peter's saying the reason we're to respect our wives, yes, they may be weaker physically, but they are equal spiritually. That's why we show them respect, because they deserve it. That's why we honor them. That's why we let them know they are valuable partners in marriage, is because in the eyes of God and the kingdom of God, they are just as equal as any man is. And husbands, we need to get a glimpse of that, and we need to understand that, and we need to practice that in our marriage. Your wives have as big a role and as important part of your marriage as you are. See, we are to show them respect because they deserve it. They too are a royal priesthood. They too are a holy nation. They too are possession of the most high God. They matter and are valuable. And because of that, we have to show them respect. So how do we have harmony in our marriage, husbands? We need to submit to serving our wives. We need to continue to yield to their needs by being considerate and by showing respect. And then look what he says here at the very end of verse seven so that your prayers may not be hindered. In other words, if we don't do these things, we're gonna be held accountable. If we don't do these things, we're gonna have seasons of our life where we feel distant and disconnected from God. So as we think about today, as we think about what does it take for us to have harmony in our marriage, Peter tells us, wives, yield to the leadership of your husbands. Wives, focus on inward beauty, not external adornment. And husbands, yield to the needs of your wife. Be considerate to them. Show them respect. See, I believe with all my heart, this topic was crucial for them. Just like it's crucial for us. It's crucial because of this. Marriage is the greatest reflection of the relationship that we have with Christ, isn't it? See, we are the bride and Jesus is the groom. And as wives are to submit to the leadership of the groom, as the wives submit to the leadership of the husbands, we are to submit to the leadership of Jesus, right? And it's just as the husbands are to care for the needs of the wife, it's Jesus' role to meet the needs of his children. So when wives submit and yield to the leadership of their husbands, it's as if they're yielding and submitting to the Lord. And as husbands show love and concern and meet the needs of their wives, it's as if husbands are loving their wives as Christ loved the church. So it's important for couples and marriages to get this right. 
So the question I want to ask you is this. How's your marriage doing? Do you find your marriage is working in harmony? Is it in rhythm? Is it in sync? Or is it disconnected? Wives, I want to ask you three questions. And I want you to think about these deeply. Here's the first question. Are you truly yielding to the leadership of your husband? Are you truly yielding to his leadership? And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, hey, Doug, listen. My husband, he's just dumber than a stump, right? He has no idea what he's doing. I don't care. I'm asking you, willing to yield to the leadership of your husband? Yes or no? And if not, you need to repent of that. Wives, are you working to win him over with your conduct? Well, no, Doug, he's a lost cause. No, he's not. We learn from Peter that even those who are married to non-believers, that God can use their conduct to win them over in the faith. I've seen marriages do that. He's not a lost cause. And are you working hard to win him over with your conduct? If not, would you repent of that? And wife, thirdly, are you spending more time on your outward look rather than the condition of your soul? And if not, would you repent of that? Husbands, a couple questions for you. Do you cherish your wife by truly meeting her needs? Are you like me sometimes and you're so self-absorbed that you just miss that? If you're more focused on you and less focused and sensitive to their needs, once again, we need to confess that to the Lord. We need to repent of that because we are called by Paul and Ephesians to love our wife as Christ loved the church. That's a love that's nurturing. That's a love that's sacrificial. And if our love for a wife doesn't reflect that, we need to repent to the Lord and make a new commitment. Husbands, do you show your wife the respect that they deserve as an equal? Are your words building up? Are they edifying? Are they exhorting? Are they words that, that remind your spouse that they are a partner in that marriage? Or are your words condescending, degrading, and thoughtless? Are you showing them respect? And if not, would you just repent of that? Today, what I want us to do, I want to do something a little different. I want to challenge three different groups today. The first group I want to challenge are the kids that are watching. Those of you that maybe are teenagers or a little older, you hadn't quite read teenage years, but you're a little bit older and you're watching the message. You may, be, you may be sitting there thinking, okay, this message has nothing to do with me because, you know, I'm not married. I have no desire to be married. I'm like 12 years old. I don't care about marriage. But I want you to hear me this morning. This message is for you. Here's why. Because harmony is what God wants marriages to be in. And you may be in a home where there's not harmony. You may be in a home where there's, there's chaos. You may be in a home where it is loud, it's noisy, there's arguing, there's bickering. And what you can do is you can begin to pray for your parents. You can begin to pray that God would work on their heart, that God would work in their lives, that somehow God supernaturally bring harmony to your home. But if you're the kids that are watching and there is already harmony in your home, know this. It didn't just happen. It took work. Your mom and dad had to get in harmony with the Lord and harmony with each other. It took daily work. And so kids, as you see those relationships, may you see the investment your parents are making and realize that's investment one day you too will need to make. So kids, I want to challenge you with that. I want to challenge singles this morning. Some of you that are watching are single going, okay, I can tune out because this message is not for me. And I would say to you, you're absolutely wrong. Because there's some of you that are single that you have a desire to be married, right? You have a desire for that. Well, this is what it's to look like. 
Wives yield. Wives focus on inward beauty. Husbands yield to the needs you want. This is what it looks like. And you need to know that before you enter in. Or you may be a single and says, listen, my life is like Apostle Paul. I'm never going to be married. I've, I know that's my lot in life. And so this message is not for me. It still is for you. Because in this passage, we still see the beauty of what it means to submit, to yield one's life to someone else. And that's exactly how you're to live your life to the Lord. And we also see this truth of the fact that we spend so much time focusing on our outer appearance instead of dealing with the condition of our heart. You still need to do the same thing. And the last group I want to challenge is the married couples. Where is your marriage at this morning? And what are you willing to do about it? What are you willing to do? So I'm going to ask married couples, I'm going to ask you to do something. And for the wise men, you're probably going to tackle this. It's going to be amazing. Husbands, write this down because you're going to need to do this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write a love note or a love letter to your spouse this week. Wives, I want you to write a letter to your husband just showing honor and respect and telling him how much you love him, how much you need him, and how much he means to you. And husbands, I want you to write a letter to your wife telling her how much she means to you, how much you cherish her. This is not a letter where I want you to, to kind of plead your case of your previous behavior. This is not a letter where I want you to write how they've done everything wrong but how good you are. I just simply want you to write a love letter, like when you were dating, when, when you weren't worried about those things, but you just wanted to pour out your heart and your love to the one you cared about. I'm asking you to do that. I believe with all of my heart that can have an unbelievable impact on your marriage. Wives, will you write a letter to your husband this week? Maybe you need to write it today and give it to him tonight. Husbands, will you write a letter to your wives this week? Well, Doug, I'll just get her candy and some flowers and no letter. No, that's not going to work. Your words matter. And would you just pour your heart out to her? There's some of our marriages that are doing this right now. But I feel like if we'll write a love letter to them, this will get softened. And it will open the door to this to happening. Harmony. So this morning, we're going to do a little different. I'm going to take a moment, and I'm going to pray for marriages. And then we're going to worship, and just then out, about midway through the worship, Elijah's going to take a moment, he's going to pray for all the kids out there. And then we're going to continue to worship, and then Patrick's going to lead us and pray for all the singles out there. So right now, would you just pray with me? Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of this word, the power of this word. God, for those that are married, Lord, the wives, we, they now have clarity of how they're to engage in that marriage relationship. They're to yield to the leadership. They're to focus on inward beauty, not outward adornment. And husbands, Lord, we've learned that we need to make sure we're, every day we are yielding to the needs of our wives, being sensitive to them, considerate, and showing them respect as an equal, not a subordinate, in the marriage relationship. God, I pray for marriages right now. Marriages that are struggling. Marriages that are hurting. Marriages that are fractured. I pray that your Holy Spirit would reconcile those marriages. I pray your Holy Spirit would soften those hearts and do a work that only you can that we would surrender our pride, that we would surrender our anger, that we would surrender our bitterness, and we would lay it aside, and we would quit fighting in our marriage and start fighting for our marriage. God, may you speak to marriages today. May we begin asking the question, not what's wrong with our spouse, but what's wrong with me? 
May you speak to marriages today, Lord. May marriages find harmony this morning. And may they find reconciliation. Lord, I love you. And I thank you. And I lift up marriages. For it's in your son's name we pray. Oh, to Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. go ahead and pray for our students and our kids so as I pray if you're a parent will you pray for your children and maybe pray for the kids and the students in our church let's pray Father I come before you thankful for the ministry you've given us at our church to the students and to the kids I pray Lord that you just raise a generation that gets to see harmony in their home. Lord, that you raise a generation that knows how to submit and love. Lord, that you raise a generation that knows their self-worth because they see their parents treat each other that way. And Lord, that raise a generation that knows what they mean to you. That knows how to dive into the word and to respect each other because their home does. We pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Oh, to Jesus I surrender humbly at his feet I bow Forsaken, take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my place. Savior, I surrender all. And Lord Jesus, we just lift up everyone who is single right now. That if their plan is to be married, that they look to you, that they follow your word, they follow your plan, and the will that you have for them, that you laid out in your word. 
may all things, may they put you first. And God, for those who do not plan on getting married, that they just submit their lives to you. That they focus on you. That they make you first. That they make you the center of it all, God. May that just be our prayer. It's in your precious name that we pray. It's all to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thy Holy Spirit, fill me. May I know Thy power divine. I surrender. 